Welcome to the Living Waters Church Sunday Sermon. See, the mercies of God is for everyone. It's not just for a few. It's for all of God's creation. With Pastor Jay Petty. God says, you've got to walk with me through that something. Take a hold of my hand. Let me guide you. You might go through the fire, but you're not going to be burned. You might go through the water, but you will not be drowned. I got you. Don't be afraid. Join us here each week for the Living Waters Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. And yet the richness of God is behind everything that God says. If God says I can do it, I can. If God says I can go, I can. If God says I can accomplish it, I can. Now let's join Pastor Jay Petty for this week's Sunday Sermon. This morning I want to tell you that God's a very, 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 very wealthy God. And what I mean by that you could look at it in terms of the earth you have wealthy men here and it's the material resources that they abound in uh, they just have it's already what they've gained it's what belongs to them and God's God has all this wealth that belongs to him and 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 so when we begin to look at his wealth and what he does with it is in a very amazing thing because when we begin to see the, that wealth, he pours out on our lives over and over again. But he pours it out in, in different ways. Uh, and so let's pray this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, we give glory to you and honor Father God in the name of Jesus this morning. Father, we just ask you for your holy presence through your Son, through your Spirit, Lord. The Father, that your grace and your mercy and your love would just be poured out upon us this morning. That, Father God, we'd see you in the light of who you really are and how good you really are, Lord, for each of us and to us. In the blessed name of Jesus. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5, it says, And he made, and, uh, and you he made alive, who were dead, in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of our mind, were by nature children of wrath, just as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So part of this is really the sin part, the sin nature really is something that we're just born in. We didn't have anything to do with it other than of course, it's our nature. And what that simply means is that we walk a, a course. There's a course in which we walk, and it's a principles of, of, of what we might say of this world. And the enemy of our souls, he is the one who's manipulating everything. So when you look at the world, and you look at people around you, and you wonder why, how come they are the way they are? It is because of this spiritual force that is over the earth and how he causes man to walk in the things that he desires 
And he fills up his mind and his flesh with those desires. And those desires drive his life, no matter what they are. Now, we all know that what they are. We all have walked in them in some form or fashion because it's just the course of life. And yet, in all of that, God knowing what he created. God created us for himself. God created us to love us and to be in relationship with us. Of course, God is a holy God. You've got to understand that, holy. He can't look on sin. I'm sorry, he, he, he just can't do it. Now you say, well, how come he's God? But he just, this just his nature. And so God has always reached to man, always, in some form or fashion. But when he sent his son, and it was through his son, that we have access to the Father. It's amazing that this blood of his son, this holy blood, this blood without blemish or without sin, was sacrificed for us. So that when it was put on the mercy seat in heaven, God could begin to have a relationship with us through his son. And out of that relationship, he began to call us and minister to us and draw us out of that world that we are born in. In other words, he wants to, uh, us to realize that there's a change of nature in us. It's not the nature of the world anymore. But it is the very nature of God himself. And that's an amazing thing. And so God, being wealthy, and I want you to know that this word wealthy means an abundance, an exhaustive abundance of his mercy is poured out towards us for one reason, because he loves us. Amen. Because he loves us. I like that, that reckless love of God. You know, he kicks down walls. He does all the amazing things that he does to reach us because he loves us. I realize that many, some turn away from that. They don't understand it, so they turn away from it. And they walk away from it. And yet the love of God is always drawing everyone. See, the mercies of God is for everyone. It's not just for a few. It's for all of God's creation. So God pours out this mercy through his love because of us. He's reaching to our hearts because he loves us. He sacrificed himself because he loved us. This word sacrifice, is a, this word love is agape. And that word simply means a kind and charitable act of benevolence. God just reaching out from his throne room through his son by his spirit, reaching out to grab a hold of us and to pull us into his love and to reveal to us his love and his mercy for each of our lives. You know what we do when we mess up? We get mad at ourselves. We kick ourselves. We beat ourselves up, right? 
But you know that God's mercy, his wonderful mercy, is so much larger than anything that we have ever done or will ever do. If you can just look at it this way, God simply loves you no matter what. The world may kick you down when you fall down, but God will not because God loves you. And he never, never quits reaching to you in that love that he has for you. You see, God sacrificed himself for mankind. And what he simply did is he says, I have to do something because of my creation. I tell people, the world and all the wealth in the world means nothing to God. You know why? Because God created the earth for us. We're the most important thing in God's creation. It's you and me. And in that, gosh, I mean, he, he, just, he just, through the love of, of his son, through the blood of his son, he continually looks at you as holy, as righteous, no matter how bad you screw up. It is this, <clears throat> the background of this whole story that verses the background of the love of God. We're born into this world with this nature, and, and you can see it. You know how you see it? You see it in little children. What is the first thing they do? They don't want to listen to you. You tell them to do something, they don't want to do it. Blah, blah, you know, it, it, it's the nature of, of humankind. When you come to Jesus, there's an amazing thing that happens. Your heart begins to be changed. And what I mean is that all of a sudden you want to do different. You want to be different. And you try to be different. But see, it's not a one-person thing. It's a, it is a relational thing. You've got to do it with him. You've got to do it through him. You've got to be empowered by him. That's how, we, that's how we walk in that continual sanctifying work of God in our lives. As God begins to move in us and begins to draw us to the places where he needs us to be. When he convicts us of the things that he doesn't want us to do. When he, when, you see, and, 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 and so we can't, and even though sometimes we get mad. We, God. And yet God still loves us. And God still forgives us. I want to talk about his richness, his wealth, his mercy. This morning. In Luke 178, it says, Through the tender mercies of God, with which the day springs from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide their feet 
in the way of peace. It is because of his tender mercies. And this is a compassionate, sympathetic love of God. It is affection that he pours out on us. It is a kindness that he pours out on us. It is a benevolence that he pours out on us because his love, his mercy is so tender towards us. That's what tender means. Mercy. Wow. Pity. We, we might want to call it pity if you get a better understanding of it. In other words, God just compassionately cares about us. And in that compassion and in that tenderness of us, there is such, there is such mercy poured out. Do you guys know, and I was thinking about this morning, that there would be no way that we could get to the Father if it wasn't for His Son. There's no way that we could experience that things that God causes us to experience in our relationship with Him if it wasn't for His Son. It's through His Son that He loves you. It's through his son that he's reaching to you. It's because of his son that he draws you. Sometimes you feel that overwhelming, wanting to get close to God. If you've been walking with God very long, there are moments that you just break down and you cry because you know you're not that person you want to be. And you feel the weight of it. And yet God comes and he says and he speaks to you, I got you. You're mine. If we could begin to see what God is offering us, he's offering us the riches of heaven to be poured out into our lives. But the biggest person that we have to get past is ourselves. And what we believe about ourselves. And start believing in what God is capable of doing. What God wants to pour out into our lives and through our lives. The first thing is mercy. He pours out on us. And the scripture says because he loves us. The whole reason that we know him is because he loves us. Scripture says that he loves us first. And it's because of that love. He causes the, his son to be poured out into our lives. And to guide us in the pathway of peace. That peace meaning being joined with God. And staying in that place of joining with God. Oneness and unity and wholeness and completeness. We are in Him. No matter what you feel, no matter when it is, God, that's the way God sees it, that you are one with Him. It's amazing. The enemy beats us up when we fall down, but God picks us up and He tells us that He loves us. Romans 2.4, it says, Or do you despise the richness of his goodness, his forbearance and long-suffering, 
not knowing that the goodness of God leads to repentance. Isn't that amazing? That word goodness, I, I looked it up. Moral goodness, integrity, moral excellence in character or demeanor. So God is this moral character. He's good all the time. And the way he sees us is good all the time. And his goodness is a wealth, a wealth of heaven that he just continues to pour out. Out of it comes this forbearance. Out of this comes this long-suffering. Out of this comes this benevolence of God towards us all the time. All the time. Even when we're walking through a crisis in our life, God's there. We might say, God, where are you? But God is there. God is good. God doesn't change who he is. He is a God of integrity. His word is a word of integrity. Who he is is, is integrity. And he continues in heaven to pour it out upon his creation and to hold us and to keep us. Even though we're walking through something, God says, you've got to walk with me through that something. Take a hold of my hand. Let me guide you. You might go through the fire, but you're not going to be burned. You might go through the water, but you will not be drowned. I got you. Don't be afraid. And so many times when we're faced with such hostilities of life, we wonder where God is. Let me tell you, just turn around. Turn around and put your eyes on him. Focus on him. Focus on him in the storm. Focus on him and you can walk through and find victory. Our biggest problem is that we want to do it for ourselves, but we can't. The reason we want to do it for ourselves is because we've been taught our whole life <clears throat> that's what life is all about, about you being able to do it. And you can't. You cannot do this alone. The poem of the footsteps in the sand is a prime example of what I'm speaking to. He sees two footprints. And in troubled times, he only sees one set of footprints. And when he gets to heaven, he says, God, where are you? Where were you in these troubled times? And he said, that was me carrying you. That was me carrying you. When Paul was persecuting the church and Jesus met him on the road to Damascus, he didn't say, why are you persecuting my church? He said, why are you persecuting me? There's no separation when you come to Jesus. None. You are hidden in him. You belong to him. No matter what. Romans 2, uh, I mean, Romans 5, 20 says, Moreover, the law was entered that the offense might abound. God wanted man to see what sin was. And so what he did is he, he put the law into effect. This is what sin is. In order to be righteous in the Old Testament, you had to, you had to do everything that the law demanded. And if you broke one part of the law, you were a lawbreaker. 
and worthy of death. Even at that, God instituted the sacrifice of innocent animals to cover those sins so that you could get through. But when Jesus came, the blood of Jesus came, when Jesus was sacrificed on, that blood dealt with sin once and for all. Your sins are as far as the east is from the west. And that is not in the earth, that is in the universe. And they never come together again. When your sins are forgiven, they are forgotten by God. The only person that remembers them are you. And he shouldn't. And so this, this offense abounds. But where sin abound, grace is richly, abundantly supplied and is greater than sin. Bear the riches of grace so that sin might reign in death, even so grace might reign in righteousness. So here it is. God's abounding grace poured out into your life causes you to live in a state of righteousness. What does that mean? Right standing with God. That means you can come to him anytime. That means you can come into the throne room at any time because of the blood, because the blood makes you righteous, and because the richness of God's grace is poured out into your life. And it does not go away. I think too many times we base it on ourselves. This walk, we base it on us. If we can accomplish it or not. And when we feel like we're not accomplishing it, then we feel, we feel unrighteous. We feel unworthy. And yet the scripture says that God's grace is continually being poured out into your life and over your life. The enemy's pulling you one way and God's trying to draw you another. The flesh is trying to control you and God wants his spirit to move you. Ever heard that word repentance? When you fall down, repent. Just simply say, Lord, forgive me. Confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. To keep you in that state and that walk with him. Amazing, that amazing love of God. It is an amazing love of God that he pours out into our life. And it's because of that love that all these other things are given to us and poured out into our lives. See, that um, Romans 9, 23, and that he might make known the riches of his glory. You know what glory is, right? That's who God is. That's where, that's what we really want to walk in is the glory of God. Because it is the most purest thing that exists and the most powerful thing that exists. And yet, it says <clears throat> that he might make known the riches of his glory on vessels of mercy. 
God wants to pour it out. He wants you to know it. He wants you to walk in it. He wants you to live in it. He wants you to know there's an abundant supply of it. And it's his wealth, it's his resources that he's giving you. It's like a very wealthy person giving money to this or giving money to that. It's a resource to that. This is more valuable than money, more powerful than money, because in it comes all the goodness of God. Now, the riches of his glory can do amazing things. It can bring strength. It can bring the power of God in you. In uh, Ephesians, the three, third chapter, it says, out of the riches of his glory, that he might strengthen you with might by his Holy Spirit, in the inner man for faith, for love, and for all the other things that God has for you. To cause you to see beyond any doubt that his love is the length, the width, the height, and the depth. That his love surpasses all the things that you think you know. All the things that man thinks he knows. It goes beyond that. His love is the most greatest thing poured out towards man. And when we begin to experience that love, it begins to transform our lives in a very powerful way. But it is the riches of his glory that God pours these things out into our life. His mercy, his goodness, his grace, his power. If we could just get there, huh? If we could just believe it. If we could just believe that this is truly who God is for his people. We give up way too soon. Gloria's uncle uh, from New York sends us stuff every day, all these little sayings. And they're pretty amazing. But he speaks to that that ability to keep getting up and going, not ever giving up. And when you fall down, don't let it be a failure. Let it be a stepping stone to success. It is the same thing in your walk with God. Don't let it be a failure. Let it be a step stone to success and victory that you find in your life that is found in him. God is your victory. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is over all, is rich to all who call upon him. What does that mean? He's, he's rich. You call out his name. Any who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's powerful, isn't it? The riches of heaven backs up his word. It backs up everything that God does. It is, it is filled with such wealth that God just pours it out on us. He wants you to know it. He wants you to have it. He wants you to walk in it. He wants you to live in it. He wants you to understand when you call upon his name, all of heaven is behind his word poured out in you. It gives you the ability to live at a different plane 
in your spiritual walk with God. That's what it does. That in the ages, in Ephesians 2, that in the ages to come, that he might allow his exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. There you go. We're saved by grace. It's out of this abundance of his grace that he seeks you. Paul speaks of this grace when he says, when he asks God, he says, Lord, let this thing depart from me. And God said, no, my grace is enough. The riches of his grace is enough. And he was speaking to, what, what God was speaking to him, he says that God manifests his dunamis power to make you strong in all of your weaknesses, in all of your infirmities, in all of the things that you're walking through. God's grace is more than enough as he pours it out into your situation, as you begin to rely upon that grace in your life. It comes down to a few things, you know. You walk through some hairy places in life. Sometimes you walk by the shadow of death, you know what I mean? Sometimes it feels like your, your life has fallen apart. Sometimes it seems it seems that life is going in one direction. Sometimes it just feels that way. And yet that is what the world wants you to believe. That's what the enemy wants you to believe. That's what you were taught to believe. And yet God is saying something completely different in the fact that if you turn around and look at him, if you turn around and focus on him, if you turn around and become dependent on him, he fills you up. He strengthens you. He encourages you. He helps you to walk through. He brings you to the place that he's called you to be. I've been a Christian for a long time. When I first started this journey, I was just on fire for God. I just, all I wanted to do was talk about Jesus. But you and I found out that not all Christians are as saintly as you would like them to be. <laughs> and they hurt you. They stab you. <laughs> they step on you. And you want to believe that they're full of God's love. And what you find out is that many times they're not. And the thing is, is that <clears throat> if you're not careful, it'll push you down and make you want to lose your faith. It'll cause you to not fully trust and believe 
all the things that God put in your heart to trust and believe in. He will rob those things from you because of circumstances that surround a situation. What I found out, if you just go with God, you'll walk through it. And God will take you to a higher plane. <coughs> you know when you're in the midst of something, here's the, here's the problem. All you can see is the problem that you're in. That's true. You can't see past it because it, it's overtaking you. And it's weighing you down. And, and you're sitting in this place where you feel like you're just, you're just being, uh, you're just losing it all. And yet God is saying, I'm still on the throne. Look, <clears throat> I'm still a wealthy God. I'm still able to help you through your situation. I'm able to cause you to have victory in this thing. Trust me. Walk with me. Keep your focus on me. And the amazing thing is this, <clears throat> as you do, you begin to walk through this thing. God begins to change your attitude about things. God begins to bring the level of your faith that begins to rise. You begin to see things in a different fashion. Next thing you know, God's moved you to the place, to a different place in the things that he wanted for you that you could never see before because of all of this other stuff. And yet it was God's mercy and grace being poured out into your life, his love being poured out into your life, caused you to walk through those things to get to that place. I don't care what people are going through. I don't care even how difficult it is. If you're going to look at the circumstances and the situation that you're in, you're never, you're never going to see the possibilities of where God wants to take you, what God wants to do in your life. That's mercy. That tender mercy. That compassionate love of God. That benevolence of God reaching to you. Kind of like Peter. You know, stepping out of that boat, knowing that he could walk on water because Jesus said so. Getting on it, walking on it, and then getting, getting caught up in all the other things. The waves, the wind. Isn't that really what it is? The waves and the winds of life that causes us to sink in our faith, in our walk with God. And yet the richness of God is behind everything that God says. If God says I can do it, I can. If God says I can go, I can. If God says I can accomplish it, I can. Because he's behind me. And because he's pouring all this stuff out into my life. And I will find victory in it. There's nothing he can't fix. Nothing he can't repair. Nothing he can't heal. Nothing he can't deliver. Nothing he can't do. There's nothing, God, there's nothing that God cannot do. Nothing. First Peter 1. Blessed be the God of our Lord, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his abundant mercy, or the riches of his mercy, or the wealth of his mercy, 
he has begotten us again in a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inherent inheritance incorruptible undefiled and that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in these last days. Don't lose your hope. Don't that hope means expectancy. Don't lose your expectancy in God. Take your hands off of it and quit trying to control it. That's your biggest problem. Quit throwing it back in God's face. Quit telling, well, God, this is what you said. God, this is what your word said. God, you got to do this thing. You, you got to make this thing happen, God. Because, because, because. God didn't tell you that you had the right to tell him how it's going to be done. God says, expect me to do it. Not you do it. Not you do it your way. But expect me to do it. Expect me to accomplish it. Expect me to walk you through it. Expect me to do it. See, that, there's the problem. We look at the circumstances and we allow the circumstances to control what we do. Or what we think God should do. Instead of saying, God, I trust you in this. God, I believe in you in this. God, I know you're going to get me through this, Lord. I don't know how, but God, I know that you're here, and I know that your mercy is on me, and I know that you love me, God. And no matter what, God, you're going to get me to the place where you need me to be. And when we begin to walk that way, we begin to see the richness of God in our life. we begin to see the richness of his mercy. This tender, compassionate, loving, benevolent mercy. We begin to see the riches of heaven poured out into our lives. See, do you know that his throne room is called a throne room of grace and mercy. That any time that you come before him, the two things that God says, I am, is my wealth of grace and my wealth of mercy. And when you start to come to me and you cry out to me, you come here and you worship me, you come out here and you become dependent on me. That wealth that I have is going to be poured out into you and into your life. That's an amazing thing. I'll finish with this. John G. Lake, you may know him, may not. John G. Lake was a man who he started out as a very wealthy businessman. But when he went to school, he went to be a, a pastor for the Methodist Church. He was there one year and got out and started 
into business, started making big time money. And uh, he ran across a few people that attracted him towards God. One man had a ministry of healing. And that ministry was so effective that people were coming from everywhere to be healed. So he went, he watched, he listened, he hungered. He hungered for it. His brothers, some of his family were dying off from all these things. In those days, they didn't have medicine like we have today. His wife had congestive heart failure, and she wasn't doing very well either. And yet something was driving him to find the wealth of God, the wealth of healing. He had a few failures, by the way. His wife was <laughs> couldn't breathe. If you ever seen anybody with a congestive heart failure, they kind of they can't breathe, they can't get air in. They uh, they're uh, feel like they're suffocating. But such pressure is being put on the heart because the heart is swelling, gets water around it, compresses it. You start praying for, just like we do sometimes. Start praying about a situation sometimes. Trying to get that situation to resolve. Nothing happened. He got mad. He threw his Bible against the wall. Boom. Fell to a piece of scripture talking about Jesus healed all that came to him. So he decided to do something. He knew God healed because he's seen it. This is not just about what I'm talking about. It's about healing. I'm talking about the things that you face in your life on a day-to-day basis. You've got to find that God is the resource for that, no matter what it is. So what he did is he got a bunch of people that he knew that were Christians and he asked them if they would start praying for her at such and such a time. So we don't even do that. We try to walk through this thing by ourselves. We, we don't ask anybody to pray with us or for us about anything. We, we just want to walk, we just want to, see, that, that's, we want to do it for ourselves. That's not how this works. It was never intended to work that way. Number one, we need each other. And we definitely need God in our situation. We need God in our situation. We need what God has done for us in our situation. Instead of saying, and he did, he called up a number of people. And he said, would you please pray at this time? for my wife, for her healing. And so at that time, he went up and he laid his hands on his wife. They were all praying for him and for her. An amazing thing happened. 
God healed her in an instant. And she got up off of that bed and was healed. It made him realize something. How good God is. And that God honors his word. But you know the whole thing about all this? We have to do it his way. To walk with God means to order your life in like manner. It's a principle that you a place upon your own life. How you live your life. How you walk through that thing. People have a hard time finding peace. Probably they do. But peace is a simple thing. Number one, it belongs to you. Something that Jesus gave you, it's yours. But also it's realizing that I can't hold on to all of this and take a hold of that. I can't live in all of this and expect to find peace. And when you learn the principles of how peace works, it becomes a simple thing to walk in peace. It's a simple thing to live in the tranquility of mind and heart. When you realize, I have to let all that go. I have to turn all of that over to God. I have to ask God to forgive me for walking in it and living in that place. And I have to ask him for his peace. I have to exchange all of that for his peace. And when I begin to make that transition, that exchange, man, amazing things begin to happen. All of that stuff begins to lift off of me. All that stuff just dissipates off of my life. And all of a sudden, I feel this peace which gives me strength. And all of a sudden, none of that stuff bothers me anymore. I'm not, it doesn't consume me anymore. It doesn't have any grip on me anymore. The principles of walking with God are the principles by which he has offered to us these riches of wealth that are truly belonging to us because he's giving them to us, but we have to learn how to acquire them and walk in them. It's a choice. Faith is a choice. Living in expectancy is a choice. Believing that God's pouring out his tender mercies into your life because he loves you is a choice of faith. Everything can change in an instant. But the first thing is you. It's you. Who is it that God is after? You. Who's God trying to reveal himself to? You. Who's he trying to transform? You. And if that's true then there's a way to walk it out and receive it. I don't have my Bible with me, but I have Scripture with me. 
It is the pathway of the promises of God that he's already spoken through his word. And that's the simple truth. I'm saying to you this morning, find out who God really is. Find out how much he really loves you. Find out how good he really is. Find out the processes in which he works in you and the pathway in which you have to walk to get there. That is a transforming power of God in the life of his children. One thing happens, you get saved. And the saving grace of God becomes the work of sanctification. Sanctification starts from that point all the way through your life and in heaven. What follows all of that is being glorified. It is being glorified in heaven. That doesn't happen until you are transported from this earth to be present with God. But in the meantime, God holds true to his word. God holds true to the depth of his own heart of what he has given us. Thank you for joining us today here at the Living Waters Church in Globe, Arizona. We hope you enjoyed the message by Pastor Jay Petty. May you have a great week and may everything you do be blessed by God.